If you have a Bible with you this morning, find the book of Philippians, Philippians, and we're going to be in chapter number two, Philippians two. If we haven't met, by the way, my name is Kyle, uh, one of the pastors here at the church, and this morning, this morning we are titling today Vision Sunday, Vision Sunday, and it's really a, a Sunday morning here at the very beginning of our year where we have the opportunity to really share uh, what we see coming in the future of our church. And so for some of us, maybe this is your first or your second time ever coming through our doors. Uh, you picked a great week to come because you're going to get to hear a little bit about who we are as a church and why we prioritize certain things in certain ways. Uh, and so that's really today. We're excited about that. Uh, if you haven't been around here, then something just about us. We, we are not interested in just doing the religious church stuff. Like, that's just not who we are around here. Uh, we're not, we're, this isn't just about coming to church and putting in your time and doing the thing that I'm supposed to do with going to church. We feel as though church, for, uh, church is so much more than that, and there is a relationship with God that is available, that is, that is alive and beautiful and incredible, and it's available to you and all, and all of us. This is more than just coming to church and singing songs. This is us truly believing in a God that has done something so significant for us, and we want to respond by, in a way, giving our lives to him. And so that's who we are around here. And so when you hear a message like this today, that talks about some interesting things maybe, uh, just understand we are on mission. We, this is the way that we view all of this uh, right here, okay? So over the past six months, maybe even a year, we have talked a lot about a, a similar theme has kind of come out uh, in my life and it's kind of overflowed into our church family and that is really the battle against uh, spiritual complacency and, and apathy and how in our culture, uh, in America, where we have freedom, which is a beautiful thing, and we have wealth compared to the rest of the world, which is a beautiful thing, we are more susceptible than a whole lot of other people around the world at living a complacent, apathetic life because very simply, we can do a whole lot of this living on our own. And we don't need God because we are good enough and strong enough and can do this, okay? Uh, and so that is an issue that we face all the time and we have been fighting this and for the past year, I've been really kind of hammering this and hitting you over the head with this same idea. Uh, maybe you haven't felt that, maybe you have, but every single sermon series that we have has kind of ended there in one way or, or or another. Now this morning we're kind of taking that a step further to what I call kind of a corporate level. And when I say corporate, I don't mean like business. I mean like together is what I mean because we're all individuals. We all have our own personal spiritual lives and our own personal relationships with God, like our own spiritual journeys. But at the same time, as Christians, we are called to be together and we're called to live this out together as well. So you have your own life and your own spiritual journey. And then you have your church family where we do this together, journey together, mission together, doing and being and loving and encouraging and helping each other and all of that. And not only does the Bible hammer this idea of individual complacency and apathy over and over and over again, it also at different moments hammers this idea of corporate church apathy and complacency. 
The idea being that it is very, very possible for us to gather together as a church, as a church family, and not actually be doing what God would want us to do. That's very real and very possible. In fact, all within the introduction here, let me show you a few examples of this from the Bible. We're going to have about a 15-minute introduction, and then we'll see where we go from there, okay? So just a heads up on that. All right, but let me show you three quick places. All of these are, are short letters that were written to individual churches uh, within the book of Revelation at the very beginning of that book. And when you see them, you'll be kind of like, well, those are more like paragraphs than letters, but they are called letters in the Bible. Here's the first one. Let me show you this short letter written to a church. And uh, look, at, look at some of their struggles, okay? Uh, Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. It's this beautiful thing of like, you guys are rocking this. And then he goes this in verse number four and he says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. That's some imagery basically saying like God's going to totally ditch you if you don't come back to where you're supposed to be. Okay? Harsh reality is like, wow, you guys are doing this and it's amazing and I commend you for this, but I hold this against you. Come on now, come back to where you used to be because you have drifted. And when I read this about this church, the thing that comes to my mind is as a church and as Christians, we must constantly be aware of our tendency to drift. You know what I mean when I say drift? Like you're heading in the right direction and then all of a sudden you don't even realize it, but like you're off. You're going in a different way and you're not supposed to be there. And the Bible just says, get back, get back on over here, okay? Repent, come back to the center. Let me show you a second one. Revelation chapter three, okay? To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, I know your deeds, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Just say it how it is, right? This is good. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Church, I know your deeds. I see what you're doing. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Do you hear that? Church thinks they're alive. Like, like it is possible for a church to think they are alive when they are actually dead. And a church, a, a, a church that is that thinks they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, a church that thinks that they're, that they're helping people in the way, but a church that is actually no good to anybody is what we have here scripturally. That's, tip, that, that's difficult, isn't it? That's hard, okay? And I think like, it's so possible. It's possible for us to be so deceived about who we are and what we are doing and so missing this and thinking that we're alive, but we're actually not. All right, uh, let me show you the third one quickly. A few verses later, this is verse number 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea. Okay, these are individual cities that these are little letters going out to. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one of the other. 
So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You do not realize, you hear that? You do not realize. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness uh, to put on your eye. Okay, you get it here. Um, Not a whole lot of good here. You're lukewarm, you're complacent, you're apathetic, and you don't even realize it. And I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, I've got to just tell you this because it's like fantastic, okay? The word translated into English for us is the word spit, Okay, this was written in Greek, by the way, and so we have an English translation of the original letter that was written, but this word, that's, it's translated as, wor- as the word spit. It's the Greek word emeo, 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 okay? Listen to the definition of this word, and I'll let you come up with an even better word in English than spit. You can come up with this all by yourself. Are you ready? The word emeo is defined like this, to eject the contents of one's stomach through the mouth. (laughs) Spit, in my opinion, is not the right word here. Would you agree? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like this is quite quite literally what we have here is your complacency and your apathy makes God want to vomit. All right, that's what we have here to this church. You do not realize this is happening right here. Okay, and it's into this into this situation right here, what, what is it that causes these people to be apathetic? Uh, it's their wealth. You say, I am rich, I've acquired wealth, I do not need a thing. You do not realize you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And I read this and I just think, wow, like having good things, having success, having money, beautiful gifts from God, but man, can they be a trap when it comes to our spiritual lives? Because now you, we sit back in all the things that we have in this beautiful country, and at the same point, it's easy to say, I don't need God anymore, and not even realize that we are living apathetic, complacent, and God wants to vomit. Yeah, that was fun right there. That stuff humbles me, though. This humbles me when I look at these churches. They do not realize, uh, and it causes me to look upward more and more, saying, God, what we desperately need is you. We desperately need to hear from you. Like, like, if we've drifted, God, make it clear to us. Let, let's not be so arrogant to think that we are above this. God, if we are complacent, make us aware of that. So that we do, like, wake us up, God. If we are dead and think we're alive, then tell us. We need, we need to know that. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, that was the longest introduction in the history of the world. Yeah! All right, let's stand. Go ahead and stand with me all over this place, and let's... Uh, Let's read, we're going to take a moment and just read our passage of scripture together. That was all just a separate little side sermon. Okay, Philippians chapter number two, we're going to start in verse number one. Follow along with me just as I, as, as I read this. Here's what it says. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And so Jesus, we just pray, we pray for a moment right now 
We just focus on you and just invite you into this very moment. And so, Lord, we just pray for that. We humbly uh, just ask for you to speak to us through your very word. Show us things. Teach us, God. Unite us. Help us. We give this to you, God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Come on, Sarah, let's go. (coughs) All right. Well, um, hundreds of years ago, Military stuff was very different, if you didn't know that. Uh, Hand-to-hand combat was what we had most of the time, even into the Civil War uh, in America, but much before that. And the idea, something that, that was a very common place in military stuff at that point was, was what was called the flag bearer. And maybe you have, um, have heard of this and heard of that before. Uh, important military position for, for military armies and different things hundreds of years ago. The flag bearer was the person who was responsible for carrying this flag for the entire army. That's what they would do. That was their entire job. They most, most of the time didn't even have really a weapon. That was all that they had. And that flag would be held typically right next to the general or the commanding officer uh, because during, during those types of places that the generals would often lead their people into battle. Things have changed a little bit over the years now, okay? Now, uh, the flag bearer, what that means, though, is that they would, they would carry this flag on the front lines of everything. Uh, like a job that is not exactly something you want for your husband or your son. Would you agree? In fact, when you read about flag bearers in the Civil War during some of the major battles, the life expectancy for a flag bearer was often just put at minutes. Minutes. And when someone would go down with the flag, and I'm sure you've heard about this in history, uh, the next person around them would often take that flag out of the dead person or dying person's hands and then they would become the flag bearer. And so over and over and over, we just had one flag bearer going down after another as they are standing on the front lines holding a big old target, okay? Not a fun thing, not a, not a very great thing to be a position of honor though. And for us today, it's hard to imagine that. Why, why would... Why would anybody volunteer to do that? Like suicidal from the start, okay? Uh, And centuries have gone by, though, with this being a thing. Centuries over and over. Some of the most famous, intense, bloody battles in history, this is just a piece of what it was. And when I first read about this, I was assuming that the flag was was kind of just a pride thing, a pride in my army, uh, you know, and, and that's why they had the flag. It is like, this is who we are and we're gonna declare that we're America or whatever else and we're gonna carry that flag with, with pride. But listen, the, the idea of a flag bearer and the importance of this went massively bigger um, than this. First, it just sort of said to the army and the people around them, we're still a go, all right? We're still in this. We're still moving forward. Keep fighting. And so the people around them, the army would see their flag moving and it was just this motivational piece of, oh yeah, remember, my kids are at home and I'm fighting for them, okay? And it was this moving thing as they saw the flag, it would do that, 
Okay, second, the flag also served as this rallying point. And when you, when you re- read about this, it just came up over and over again. If you were lost in battle and confused, you would immediately look and find your flag, and you would go back there. Uh, like you found your way back to that flag at, at different points in different situations. The army would call something, and th- they would gather back towards that, towards that flag. They would rally They would unify, and in that moment and in that place, and then they would go out from there. Now, of course, we're talking talking ancient years ago before we had tanks and even guns, okay, is what we have here. But think rallying, unifying together when you think of this flag bearer and the flags in situations like that. We'll come back to that in a couple minutes, but a few moments ago we read just a few short scripture verses from a book of the Bible called Philippians. Uh, Now, if you don't understand about how the Bible works, the Bible has 66 different books that were written by about 40 different people um, over a period of about 1,600 years. And and so God inspired people. People wrote different things. Uh, Many of the books of the Bible are history in nature, telling the history of a certain group of people or a certain person in a way. Some of it's, we have poetry, we have biographies written about different people and their life. And then as we get closer to the end, after Jesus, we have uh, what are called epistles, which are really letters that were written. And they're some of the most fascinating things to read, these letters, because they really talk a little bit more about church situations like this at different at different times. And so Philippians is this letter that was written by a man named Paul. Maybe you've heard of the Apostle Paul if you've been a church person, okay? But the word apostle just means sent. Paul gets this title of apostle because of the nature of what God has called him to do, which was basically to uh, travel around the entire Roman Empire to cities who had never heard about Jesus and to tell these people the story of of God becoming man and what that means to us. When Paul would begin to travel in this way and do this, little Christian churches started for the very first time. There's no church in Rome, and then all of a sudden there's a church in Rome. There's no, no church in Corinth, in Greece, and now we have a church for the very first time. Well, Paul gets arrested, uh, multiple times actually, and he's in prison, and one of the things that he was able to do while he was in prison was actually uh, write. And so somehow he got like paper and a pencil or a iPad and a whatever. I'm not sure what he had exactly, but okay. And so he begins to write, and what, is he, what, is, what he does is he, he began to write letters to some of these churches that he had started in a way. And that's what this letter of Philippians is. Paul is in prison for preaching God in the Roman Empire, for preaching about Jesus. And he is now locked up and he sits down and he writes this letter to these people um, in, in, in Philippi is what this letter, which is why we call this in Philippians. One of my favorite letters that he wrote. He starts this letter with just saying like, I miss you guys. You guys are awesome. I'm so proud of you for what you, have, you, what you are doing and what I'm hearing. I, I pray for you. And then he tells them that he's in prison, but that things are going okay for him, and he's excited because the gospel message is still moving forward, even in the midst of all of everything that is happening. And then he gets to chapter number two, and understand that originally, originally the Bible didn't have chapters and verses. That was like added much later to make things easier for us to find, okay? But chapter two for us, he gets out of his introduction, and... Uh, 
And this is what we have, and this is what we read right here. He transitions a bit, and let me read this to you again, and we're just going to talk it out shortly, quickly here, uh, before we kind of move to something else. He writes to them, he says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit, and of one mind. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Now, when you read that, what we have here is Paul, at that point, speaking to individuals. And he's saying, if, if anything has come from you being united with Jesus, okay, if you have comfort in that individually on your spiritual journey, if that is a big deal, like their individual relationships with God, they individually were united with God through Jesus Christ. And then he says, then make my joy complete and he switches from individual now to corporate. And he says, make my joy complete by being like-minded. He's talking now to the whole group here. That's they would have read this out loud. If you have any comfort for being united with Christ, then, then, then be like-minded as a whole. Having the same love as a whole. He's talking to this specific church in Philippi. Being one in spirit as a whole, and being and of one mind, like-minded, same love, one in spirit, of one mind. Four things, all four are the same, just worded differently, is what this is. What's the point here? Well, this isn't rocket science. You can figure this out, okay? Like, like you should be unified, all together. You... God changed things individually for you. Now, be together as one, one mind, one purpose, united together, rally together, and go and do what God has called you to do as a whole. All together. Stop whining about what color the carpet is and start being together. Okay, seriously, stop, stop bickering and all your individual little whatevers and your personal preferences. This is to them, of course, not us. But okay, all, all your personal preferences and all the stuff that you love about church and the pastor whatever here and whatever. Okay, forget all of that and let's figure out how to together do what we're supposed to do. That's what that is. That's what we have right here. Okay? An overflow of your individual salvation should be this corporate together unified church family. Overflowing of what God has done in you personally. Like sure, you have your relationship with God and that's personal. Okay? But if you have any comfort and love that you feel from that, like from being united with Christ, then you need to come together come together. Why would Paul say this stuff right here? Well, of course, it's hard to come together when you have all sorts of different people from different backgrounds, okay? We could go around the room and, and I could have you raise your hand, like, what church did you grow up in? And what we would see is we'd have all sorts of different churches in our background. We'd have all sorts of different places. We got all sorts of different family situations, okay? Different views, even politically, and different things like this, okay? And, and so we have all sorts of massive differences from individual to individual. And now we're all together in the same room because what God has done in our individual lives, the challenge is for, for us to come together to accomplish something bigger. That's the challenge here. For Paul, he understood that our individual relationships with God are a part of a much bigger picture. 
A much bigger picture here. And the bigger picture is to build this kingdom of God everywhere. And, and, and so, listen, like today, in a way, we're kind of like, like this is our rallying cry as a church. Like we're putting our flag down here. Not the American flag. That's a different thing. And I'm all about that, okay? But that's not what this is. This is a, this is a Jesus thing where we are uniting around this flag and we're rallying together like, and let's build the kingdom of God. And so, and, and so I want to share with you three things that we feel uh, where we feel God has been leading us really as a church to rally around. And, and we have these three things and then we have things that kind of go out from there as well. And remember, all of this is in the context of building the kingdom of God, furthering the kingdom of God. Uh, we are called to be kingdom builders when it comes to, uh, when it comes to God and Jesus. And that's the language, the language of kingdom Okay, is the language that Jesus used when he talked. Uh, think about the Lord's Prayer for a moment. Jesus prayed, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Do you hear that? You know that. You've said that. Your will be done. This is like our purpose. Okay, So three specific things. It's our rallying cry uniting us around these three things. I'll talk about, I'll talk about them shortly each. Um, and then the next couple of weeks, we're going to hash this out massively, okay? Number one, the first, thing, the first thing is what we're calling kingdom builders giving, kingdom builders giving. We're not going to spend too much time on this. All next Sunday is going to be on this idea right here. And oh my goodness, God is like blowing me up on the inside personally about this. And it is, I don't even know how, a better way to say it, but it's, it's like he's blowing me up on the inside about about using my personal finances to build his kingdom in a way like never before. And that's really what this is. So we're gonna lay this out, but one minute, one minute on this today. That's all. I'm becoming more and more convinced that one of, if not the biggest impact that we can have as Americans on the kingdom of God, like in our part of the world is through strategic, purposeful, focused giving to build the kingdom of God. Okay, and we've put together an extensive plan that I'm excited to share with you next week. It's going to be legit. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really fired up. And I'm not talking about giving money to our church. That's not what this is. I'm talking about strategic planning on our church family's part in order to give in a way that furthers the kingdom of God around the world. This is very different, and I'll explain that. But the first part of our unifying, rallying togetherness is focused, prioritized financial giving to build the kingdom of God. And by the way, by the way, just a side note in this, I also believe this to be one of the biggest antidotes to personal spiritual complacency and apathy that there is as you begin to live your life with your hands open. We talk a lot about that, okay? Uh, I don't come at this from a selfish point of view at all. I come, out th I come at this as let's build the stinking kingdom of God and get off our rear ends, and this is a massive part of it, okay? No, no amens on that part, that's okay. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, that's next week, and so I need to stop on that because I'm, I'm already fired up. But I'm, I'm actually praying, and I'll even just throw this out there, I'm praying, I'm believing that this church family will give over a half a million dollars in one year above and beyond the money that is given to run our church. $500,000 strategically, purposely given in the next number of years 
in one year alone. And we're going to talk about that, okay? Second, unifying, rallying together around this. Number two, to plant and revitalize the churches around us, churches around us, okay? In two weeks, we're going to talk about this one with a much more, dif- much, much mass, much more detail is what I want to say. Much, I was going to say much more massiver, and that is not, that is not good or English at all. But the reality of this right here, and many of you behind the scenes, like you, you don't know this about our church. Um, 2014, uh, the leadership of the church here felt very strongly that God was going to, in the future, expand um, our church into central Minnesota in a pretty massive way. And that Sock Center was just kind of going to be the beginning of what we saw in a much bigger picture. Uh, we, we saw this begin, we've seen this begin with our Long Prairie location. And if you didn't know this about our church, we now have a second location of our church that's down, this, down the road here in Long Prairie, a church that was really struggling, a church that was having a hard time. And we were able to step in and, and, and really revitalize a church that was, that was not in a good spot. And we feel that over the next number of years, we're going to be planting churches in some of these rural areas that do not have churches, and we're going to help revitalize churches around us that are not doing very well. And that's a, that is a massive piece to what's coming in the future here, and so I just wanted to say that out loud. In fact, I'm praying that we have five locations of River of Life Church in five years, in, within five years from now. That's where I, fe- that's where I feel us coming. Uh, in that, and I think it's going to be a massive thing as we expand and build the kingdom of God in central Minnesota, okay? Um, Number three, and we've just started seeing this in our church over the past year or two, and then we're gonna build this all together, I promise, okay? Number three um, is to send ministry people out. Send ministry people out. We'll, We'll talk about this more in two weeks as well. What do we mean by sending ministry people out? We mean that we believe, and we're already seeing this, that there's going to be that we believe there are future pastors, future missionaries, future youth workers, and children's pastors that are sitting in our church family right now. And we believe that over the next few years, we're going to see a flood of that uh, as, as we follow the call of God on individual lives. And as a church family, we are going to be launching ministry-focused career and people out of our church family to go other places. Now, we've seen some of that already, okay? Um, we think of Al and Jolene Wheeling, if you don't know those guys, people who Jesus got a hold of their lives in our church not that many years ago, and one thing led to another. They are now pastors of the Har- Harvest Church in Freeport. We celebrate that, okay? Like, we are, it, we are glad they are gone. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And some of you are, gonna be, some of you are like, message him right now. Pastor Kaj just said he's so glad that you are gone. Okay, no, but, but we, you know, and, and they're not perfect, and they're growing, and, they're, and we're trying to help them with some other things too. But, like, when you like that's that's the heart of who we want to be. Our great friends Micah and Essie um, on their way around the world. Not going to talk a whole lot about them because of the sensitive nature of what they are traveling and going to do, um, and it could be dangerous for them. But our church people now heading around the world in different ways. I could go on with names. I think of Susan Miller, who's out of our Long Prairie location. Uh, went through schooling, interviews, taking tests to get credentials as a pastor. Today she leads this fantastic ministry at the Todd County Jail. 
and uh, to the women there. It's this beautiful thing. You don't even know that's happening, okay? But it's stuff that's happening inside as people feel God moving inside of them and we help them do that. I truly feel that there's, there's going to be 50 people from our church family sent out in the next five years. That's a lot. And it's what God has kind of put on our hearts. So, the, so these are the three things we are kind of rallying around. But let me explain something that's true with these. There are other things that need to happen in our church family in order for us to even begin to do this. Like, uh, there are other things that we have to do. Say, say like what? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you, okay? Things, very simply, things like we need, we need to grow numerically, if, if we want to do some of this stuff, we need our church to grow. And we need to reach more people in our community in order to even start to accomplish. We, we cannot give a half a million dollars in a year above and beyond what's given to the church. We can't do that right now. We're not even close to that, okay? In, we, need, we need to expand in different ways. If we want to send out 50 people, our church needs to reach more people locally and we need to grow. Also, we need to increase our prayer focus. We focus on prayer all the time around. It needs to be more. It needs to be like if we want to build the kingdom of God in bigger ways and make an impact that's just, that, that is that is massive in nature, then we have to pray. We, that's corporate prayer, Sunday prayer gatherings. That's individual prayer, becoming people of prayer in ways like never before. We also need to personally sacrifice and we need greater involvement in ministry and in our church family. We need personal depth and spiritual growth. And so all of these things are going to have to be a focus as we want to do what God is calling, calling us to do. Okay, so now I, I wanna wrap this up, but let me bring this all together right here. We're, we're talking about the together part of our spiritual journey. That's what this is. And we have an opportunity to do something significant to build the kingdom of God over the next number of years. Uh, but we help the whole, you help the whole by moving forward individually. You understand that? When you move forward individually, this is how we begin to impact us as a whole. Let me quickly illustrate like what I'm looking for from you and for me as well. And none of this part is original to me. It's stolen from people that are a lot smarter than me, but I find it helpful, okay? All right, just wanna throw that out there so you don't think I'm a lot smarter than I am. Essentially, essentially there are four different levels of individuals in our church. Four different levels, and all of us really fit into one of these four. Go ahead and put that little target thing on here for me, okay? Um, and as, as I talk through these four things quickly, and I, um, and I know that we're going long here, but we're okay. It won't be that much more. As I talk through these four different levels, try and kind of in a way place yourself and say, this is where I'm at right now in, when it comes to this church family. Okay? And please do not view this from a perspective of guilt or shame. Let's just be honest with where we're at. Are you ready? Okay, the outside group of us is what we'll call the crowd. The crowd. The crowd is the least involved, least committed group that we have in our church family. If you are part of the crowd, then if someone asks you what church you go to, you tell them our church. But the reality is, when it comes to how often you actually make it, uh, it's not very much, okay? Uh, the crowd doesn't have any involvement in serving. 
The crowd doesn't really give anything or maybe a $5 bill when they come in the offering, okay? Uh, there's a lot of people in our church family and that's where you're at. And I don't, and like, I don't fault you for that. In fact, for the most part, it's where people start. And I pray for the next forever that we have the crowd in our church because what that means is people are coming here off the street and that we have people who are just getting started. And so we love that. But the issue for some of us is if you're a part of the crowd and you've been a part of the crowd for a decade, then something should change. Would you agree? Okay, yeah, that's not how it's supposed to work and how it's supposed to look. Okay, the second group would be called the congregation. And just to kind of save time, similar to the crowd, except a little bit of a different level of ownership. Um, you still probably aren't super involved in a ministry team or serving like that. Uh, uh, but this is your church, and you feel that, and you know that, and that's important to you, and you have a little more buy-in than just someone in the crowd. Your church attendance, though, is still probably pretty shaky if you're just a part of, okay? You're busy during some seasons. We really don't see you at all during some seasons, and in other seasons, you're pretty consistent. Some of us, this is you serve once a month, and you only come to church on the week you serve. That, I mean, that's just a reality of, of people that we have in our church. I'm not kicking anyone in the teeth right now at this point. That's not what, at this point, that's good. It's coming, okay? But just, but just understand, just understand. Let's be, let's be realistic with where we're at with things, that, that some of us are just in the crowd, some of us are just kind of a part of the congregation and what that looks like in that way, okay? The third group we'll call the committed. If this is you, coming to church has now become a bit of a priority to you. You're probably here three, out of, three times a month every single month. And that's a big deal to you. Um, in fact, the idea of only coming to church once or twice a month for you, it just like it, you, it, you can't do that. If you're in town, you go to church. You don't get up on a Sunday and ask your spouse, should we go to church today? Because it's just what you do, okay? And you can feel some of the transition along some of this, all right? You also serve. You're a part of things. You prioritize church things over other things in your life. You sign up for a life group every time, always. No matter how busy the season you are, you do that. You also invest financially and you're invested in, okay, not just five or twenty dollars, but like it's a priority to you to invest in your church, okay, uh, because they believe in the church. And then finally we get to the core and there is a small group of people in this church family um, who never miss church. And they are here 50 weeks a year. And they are always involved in everything. Multiple ministries and church is an overflow of their life. Like you can't separate it. The church family and the God peace in that type of way. They come early for prayer. Their, their kids and teenagers come to church as well because this is just who our family is. They give it a completely different level. Um, there's always sayings around here, not around here, but in the church world, 80% of the church is funded by 20% of the people. And it's not the 20% that is the wealthiest. Understand that. 20% of the core funds 80% of everything that happens around here, and they probably serve about 80% of all the stuff that happens. There is this group right there. So just be with that. They prioritize everything church. Their closest friends are church. Okay, and, and for the core, a week like this, and we're almost done, I promise, but a week like this where we talk about building the kingdom of God, this is like Christmas and Easter combined. This is like blood in the water for the sharks. And so that's a way in a 
sometimes how you can know that's me. All right, where, where are you on this list? Not gonna have you raise your hand and whatever. Like, but, but seriously, where are, where are you on this list? No shame, not like, oh wow, the pastor thinks this of me or whatever, like thinks I'm a stinky church member, okay? That, that's not what this is. But here's what I'm asking for you. We wanna build the kingdom of God in a massive way, okay? That this is in our future and this is starting, and this is coming, okay? What does it look like for you to move in a space? What does it look like for you to move in a space? To move from the crowd to the congregation for some of us. What does that look like for you? To move from the congregation to the committed. To move from the committed even to a different level, and to move from the core to to the core -er. (laughs) I don't know what to do with that one. But what, what does that look like? Because, because here's where I'm at. We're never, we're never gonna be a church family that is always has everybody at the core. Why? Because we've always, we always must be reaching out. And the pipeline, in a way, is massively important to the spiritual growth in all of this. As people come in and find Christ, there's a process. I hope we always have a crowd at this church. I mentioned, okay? But what does it look like for you to move forward as an individual knowing that we are, like when we move individually, we move forward, we are setting the stage for something much bigger as a whole. Music team, will you please come? Okay, here we go. Minute and a half recap, putting this all together right here, I promise. We have this beautiful warning at the beginning of this sermon. You can be complacent and not even know it. You can think you're alive and actually you're dead. And behind the scenes, God could actually want to vomit because of your apathy and complacency and because of the apathy and the complacency of a church. That should cause us to, in a way, say, God, wake me up. God, wake us up. Let's figure this out. And we have these beautiful words from the Apostle Paul that just says, man, if God has individually united you with Christ and you have this, then, then, then come on, let's unite together to accomplish what God would have us do. We take responsibility for our own individual growth. We're determined not to stay the same Okay, determined to be more like Jesus and to be more involved and to give more and to do more and help more and serve more. But like, what, what does it look like for you? And for us, even corporately, to kind of take a step, to take a step to, in building the kingdom of God more than we ever have before. And for some of us, we don't know really what that means. The next couple of weeks are going to help with this, but this is where we are headed. Please stand with me all over this place. God, we just, we just kind of pause for a moment and acknowledge our desperate need for you. We humble ourselves, God, before you, a perfect God, a holy God, a God that deserves every piece of every glory that we could ever give and everything we have. And Lord, I... I pray, I pray that corporately that our church family would unite and 
rally together to build your kingdom in a massive way. That this would be our priority. That this would be our focus. That this would be who we are. And God, that we would grow, that we would reach out to those who are in need and are lost and are hurting in our community, on our streets, in our schools. God, that we would that we would grow spiritually, that our relationships with God would not stay the same, but that we would move forward every step of the way, God. And we pray that as we do these things, as we pray more, as we invest more, as we sacrifice more, that your kingdom, that your very kingdom would like become central to us as a whole in a way like never before. And so God, we just pray. And Lord, I pray for the individuals in this place. I pray for individual families and individual Christians that we would move forward. Whether whether that is this church or someplace else, God, that is not the point. But Lord, I just pray that we would take steps personally uh, towards you this year and that we would invest more in our church family than we ever have before when it comes to where we're at and what we're doing and we would see the blessing of that in our lives and in our families. And so Lord, we thank you for all of that. It's in your name we pray. Just one quick thing before we're done. Um, With every eye closed and just bow your heads for a moment, just a time of privacy and reflection. Maybe you're here today. And you know, and you know deep down that you are that you are not right with God. See, understand we have this gap between humanity and God that has been created because of our sinfulness. Because, because of the mistakes that you've made and I've made, like, there's this gap. And the only way for you and for me to get from where we're at to God, it's not by doing religious junk and it's not by saying certain prayers and doing all that stuff, even though those are good things in different times. But it is through Jesus and what he did on the cross, it connects, the, it connects you with God. And the scripture says, if you will put your faith in Jesus and what he did, he will be that bridge to bring you to God. That's where there's forgiveness and grace and mercy and this beautiful relationship that we've talked about. And then maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor Kyle, I've, I've never made that decision for myself. And I, would, I just wanna, I wanna make the decision to put my trust and my faith in Jesus and what he did. If that's you, will you just show me your hand? I just, I just want us to pray together. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Anyone else for just a moment longer? If you're online right now, you can respond to this as well. We want you to respond. There's a button you can click that says respond or just like in your heart, you just you do this. Just a moment longer. Thank you. Thank you. The most important decision you could ever make is like this right here, what you do with Jesus. Okay, church, let's just say a prayer together, everyone in, everyone in this place, just to help those who are responding today. Let's pray. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, put your hands together. We celebrate that. If you responded to that for the first time today, you need to get in a church family. Whether that's this thing or something else, get in a church family and start to grow together because that is massively important. All right. Hey, thank you so much for coming today. I appreciate that. If you want to stick around and sing a song, you're welcome to do that. Otherwise, you are dismissed.